Hey guys, and welcome to The Grow Podcast. We are so happy that you are here today um, listening in to this podcast brought to you by the Landis Grow Solution Center. Uh, I'm Ashley, your host through the grain segment of this podcast. And today I have Jim Engler with me, one of our merchandisers here on the Landis team. And we're just going to give you kind of a recap of how harvest has gone so far, um, kind of what we're seeing for conditions. And then I really want Jim to talk to us a little bit about 2024 um, because it really feels like a lot of our farmers aren't aren't quite thinking about 2024 yet. So uh, listen in, um, whether you're in your combine today or listening on the road, we know it's a busy time for everybody. So Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, You've been here to be a few here. times. Yeah. So introduce yourself in case people haven't met you. Sure. Um, I'm Jim Engler. I work on the uh, on the grain merchandising team here, um, helping to manage the risk and uh, trade the bushels uh, for the co-op. Yeah. And you are really, so I don't know if you guys are like broken into segments at all, but you mostly cover our Western business unit. Is that correct? Yep. So okay. my primary focus is, uh, is everything West of interstate 35. Um, I also, you know, manage our risk, uh, from a hedging perspective, uh, making sure that we're, um, you know, uh, taking care of our risks and our, and any sort of positions that we have on. So Okay, perfect. So um, today it is sunny, beautiful. We're in Des Moines. Um, on my way up here, I felt like there was a lot of combines rolling. Um, I'm headed north this weekend, which is going to be really fun to see that bean progress. Um, so let's talk a little bit about crop progress as we think about harvest so far um, in our area. Yeah, I mean, we kind of got to kind of got off to a funny start, right? I mean, we had uh, we had the blast furnace that kind of hit us there in, in August and, and very little, if any, rain, um, which really sped this crop along. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we were you know, we were dumping new crop grains, you know, that first week of September in a lot of locations. Um, and, and you kind of had this this fits and starts, right? You'd have a field that was ready, um, but the next one might not be ready for another week. Right? Yeah. So you'd go get that one, and you'd have to wait some time. So we, you know, we've been in harvest mode for, you know, we're sitting here on October fifth. <laughs> right? We've been in harvest mode for almost a month, and we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Right? Um, now the good news is, you know, we've been, you know, Mother Nature's straightened out for us, um, and we've gotten to you know, the point where we're, we're green flag racing on, mm -hmm. on a lot of things, right? We're, um, you know, we're, our biggest bean days are, are probably behind us at, at this point. You know, we probably are, um, you know, as a state, probably somewhere around 70% done or so on, on the, on the bean harvest. Some areas are, are, you know, a hundred percent done and some areas are probably, you know, got half of them to go. Yeah. Um, you know, the yield wise, um, and, and the quality of the beans we've been, we're happy with it. Right. Um, there's definitely been some variability, which is to be expected given the weather pattern that we had over the growing season. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you've, um, you've seen areas that, that had the rain and you've seen areas that haven't, and that's been reflected in yield, but all in all, a, a nice Iowa yield. I don't know that it, I would sit here and call it a record yeah. by any means, um, but, a but a really good, strong, uh, strong showing in, in beans for sure. Yeah. Well, I think we can both sit here today and be really thankful that we're out of all this crazy quick ship stuff that went on for about a month. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, we still see it in the core market, right? Yep. Because we're probably 10 to 20 percent, you know, harvested on the, on this corn crop. Yep. Right. And, and so we still see it. And this is, you know, when you guys when you see a quick ship bid, right, that is because, you know, um, the, the pipelines on both of these commodities, both corn and beans were so dry, yeah. um, coming into this harvest season. I mean, really that the crops speeding up, um, 
was if you're an end user, that was that was a good thing. You mm -hmm. needed to get to that next crop as soon as you could, um, and that allowed them to do that. Um, but you know, there is still some of that quick ship out there, and it, it's it's one thing that, that a grower in the in the right area can can take advantage of, right? And when you think about if you're an end user and you're paying a quick ship number, you know, how much corn can you get to me by Friday, for mm -hmm. example, or, or whatever that day is, right? You're not really buying the grain. I mean, you are, yeah. but you're really buying the logistics that that farmer's providing, yeah. right? You're to buying the fact that, yeah, you're buying the fact that they're willing to go combine the corn. You're buying the truck that it's going to show up in. That's where the premium number is. They're not paying up for your corn because they like you. They're paying up because you're going to haul the corn to them. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, I am certainly glad that most of that is behind us to keep track of all the different offers that were out there, especially kind of that second week of September was wild. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, and, and hopefully a lot of people got to take advantage of yeah. it because that's, you know, the, the we always say in this business, the margins in the hustle. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of lot of hustle margin to be made yeah. in, the, in these early quick ship premiums. So speaking of corn, I was on a call this morning and um, they're talking a little bit about corn moistures coming in so far. It sure feels like this corn, this last heat spell that we had, it's going to be dry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, you know, our, I think our average inbound so far and some of this gets skewed, right? Because mm -hmm. guys running through the dryer at home or, um, you know, maybe there's some old crop that needed to, to sneak yeah. in there at the beginning. Right. But I mean, I think our average moisture is somewhere around 17, 18% on this corn and sitting here on October 5th. I mean, that's, that's a really, really low number mm -hmm. for us. It's, uh, um, it, it, it just the way that kind of mother nature dealt, dealt us, right. Um, yeah. which, which should be good for pace, right. That should allow us to get through this crop, um, and, and, and knock this harvest out. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, this, this, um, you know, near the start of October, but it kind of feels like we're not going to have that many guys probably going into November if the weather stays kind of true to what it looks like here. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it's green flag racing, right? The yeah. forecast supports, supports, you know, running hard. Um, you know, and, and the good news is that, uh, you know, because of the inverse and because of the, the tight supplies that we had mm -hmm. last year, you know, elevators are empty, right? Yeah. The farm bins are yeah. empty. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenges that you have, you know, in a, in a crop like what we're looking at, which is an above average crop, it's a good crop. Mm -hmm. You know, you start to run into space constraints, you start to run into not enough trucking power, you know, those types of things. You know, a lot of those have probably been alleviated because of the emptiness of the of the grain handling system mm -hmm. because of the somewhat drawn outness of this harvest too i mean yeah. like i said we've been in harvest mode for 30 days and we still got 80 percent of the corn crop left to go yeah. <laughs> so it, you know some of that corn's already disappeared right mm -hmm. we used it right we turned it into ethanol we turned it into feed it left the state in a rail car um you know that stuff is um you know that just creates space yeah and, and that should help this harvest just keep keep right on going so one thing that we talked about a lot um, when we had our last podcast, which was kind of the crop tour results, um, there's a ton of concern, right, about test weight. Um, I'm throwing this at you. So if we're not far enough in, it's fine. And, you know, we're only sitting here at the beginning of October, but it feels like the wet corn had some test weight issues on it early. But how, how are we feeling now? I, I don't view test weight as an issue. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the spidey senses were going off early because typically when you're, you know, if you're shelling corn in August or early days of September, like there's a problem. Yeah. Right. With the, with that product. And, you know, I think we've gotten far enough along into it. I, I don't see test weight as, as an issue. We're, we're not going to have a problem making us number two quality based on test mm -hmm. weight. Um, is it as heavy as, as we historically see it? No. Um, 
is it the 58 to 60 pounds that we've gotten ourselves accustomed to over the last couple of years? It's, yeah. it's not, it, it, it's, you know, it's 57, maybe 58. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. but from a quality perspective, uh, it, this crop looks like it should be able to store, uh, decently well. Okay. So moving in, um, everyone's favorite topic here, as far as origination and merchandising goes, um, the farmer was really, really, really um, weakly sold going into this harvest, right? And so um, I think it was just honestly hard for customers to make a decision. And then by the time they felt the panic of I've got to make a decision, the market had really fallen off. So talk to us. I mean, we, we went into this harvest with really historic low sales coming in. Um, what's the farmer do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it... it and I completely understand how we got to that, mm-hmm. to that, you know, historically undersold type level because you, you know, there was a big inverse in the market. So why would you sell the back end? You know, if corns were $7 a day, why would, you know, why would my corn in fall not mm-hmm. be $7, right? Um, and, and paired with a growing season that really, you know, we needed the rains. We got yeah. them, but it wasn't always perfect. It was definitely, it was far from a perfect growing season, right? Yeah. And, and so what level of sold are you based on, you know, what you think you're going to grow? That number was changing every day in the farmer's mind. So mm-hmm. I, I completely understand how we got there. Um, so what do you do now? Right. Um, you know, what we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, is, is the farmer retaining title to that green, right? They're, they're not making sales. They're choosing for some sort of storage price later. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to be going home to mm-hmm. the farm. Um, in, and I think that's an okay decision. I, I don't have a have a problem with that. Um, I think there's reasons um, to to look for a better day. I think those better days, you know, there's there's reasons to make an argument for for better prices. Yeah. There's reasons to make argument for lower prices too. But I think we will have a shot to sell some grain at better prices than what we see today. Now, am I sitting here telling you six seven dollars? No, that that's not what I'm yeah. prophesizing, right? But um, <laughs> we'll hold I, you to it. <laughs> I, I I don't mind the idea of of. <clears throat> retaining some some title to this crop the important thing that <clears throat> that i remind growers is if, if you're gonna store your crop right you have expenses that are going to go against it <clears throat> you are out of free time the second you turn your combine on you're out of free time and, and now you've got to um now you're going to start incurring costs whether you're paying commercial storage at the elevator whether you're taking it home and, and storing it yourself and the biggest thing that we don't talk about that hasn't been a factor for a long time is the interest expense. Yeah. Huge. It's, it is a huge expense. And even if you're on a farm that, that doesn't have a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, notes or, or, um, you know, a lot of interest expense on their, on their incomes, you know, a lot of banks will pay you four to 5%, you know, on a three month CD. Right. So there's opportunity costs that, that needs to be factored in. You know, if you want to call your beans, a $12.50 commodity, you know, if you can make 5% interest at the bank, I mean, you're talking five cents a month. So I don't mind the idea of storing some grain here. I I think there's probably some better days, but you've got to be very cognizant of the risk that you are taking Mm -hmm. and the expenses that are going to go against it. Um, You know, there's an old saying, right? Not trading is a trading decision by not, by not choosing to sell your crop, um, you've made a trading decision and yep. that's okay, but you've got to realize that risk. And the other old saying that comes to mind about this is, you know, farmers got to be a risk manager. Anybody that runs a business needs to be a risk manager, whether you're farming or, or feeding cattle, or if you run the, the local bakery, right? Mm-hmm. Your job is risk management. 
risk management doesn't mean risk avoidance. Yeah. It, it means that you see the risk, you acknowledge the risk, you identify the risk, and you quantify the risk. You know, when you put that grain in that bin or you're paying commercial storage, you need to have an, an exit strategy mm-hmm. for that, right? And, and, you know, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and right. I think the other point, too, we had a conversation before we started this of, like, let's not forget all the inputs that went into this crop, right? And this is not the agronomy podcast and we won't try to explain anything on that. We'll leave that to John. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's important, right? Like thinking back, okay, yeah, I have this crop and maybe it's better yielding than what I expected, but still, what was your break even from those inputs? Um, And where do you need to be? And is, you know, does your higher yield make up for that? And that's that's a conversation I'm having a lot this fall is especially kind of right south of here, that market is seeing really great yield. Um, and so, okay, I'm getting 30 or 40 bushels to the acre way better than my great years. So I don't need that $5 break even anymore. Right. Um, but I think that's one thing that I'm nervous that customers are going to maybe forget about is inputs for this next year look a lot lower. Um, so I can take a lower price, but remember, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's two things there, right? Like it's always easier to do it with more bushels, mm-hmm. right? You want more units to sell. Any yeah. business wants more units yeah, to sell. Yeah, of course. Right? And the other thing, too, is like, to your point, this crop that, that we're combining right now, it was an expensive one to put in the ground. Yeah. And you've got to, and, and when you make that storage decision, you've got to ask yourself, how much more money do I want to put towards this crop? Whether yeah. it's an interest expense, running the fans on the bin at home, the extra freight, the other, the extra diesel fuel, you know, that you're going to incur. And all those things are fine. Mm-hmm. You just have to identify them. You have to point them out and say, these are the risks that I'm willing to take because I think of this opportunity. So, um, again, you just, you've got to risk, risk management does not mean risk aversion. Yeah. It means acknowledging it and identifying it. Yeah. So I think for some of our customers, just, you know, as an originator here at Landis, a few things that, you know, would be my opinion and and Jim, you know, chime in here. But, you know, if you've got things that are in our facility or in your bin, but for sure they're in our facility, let us be working a cash offer, a futures offer. Um, Those things trigger, whether it's during the day or during, you know, night trade. Um, So those are beautiful to be you know, knowing what you need and then it just working. Um, and then you don't think about it anymore. Yep. You know, you can go wherever this winter and we'll favorite, call you if it hits. It's <laughs> my, it's my favorite contract that we offer it is, yeah. is that offer contract because you've, you've put out a plan, you've put out you an have. exit strategy, right? Um, and, and that it also helps to take some of the emotion out of it. It does. Right? Yeah. I find myself guilty of this too, right? I mean, I, I, I trade for a living. That's mm-hmm. what I do. Um, I find myself, you know, when it's getting close to the number that I have in mind, well, what if it goes higher? <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, it's very easy to, to succumb to that. Yeah. Um, but with the offer, it happens and you've taken the emotional thought mm-hmm. out of it. Um, that's why it's one of my favorite contracts because it's an emotionless contract, right? Yeah. You've set a goal and you should hope that that offer triggers because you have three more ahead of it, right? That, sure. means that, that means the next one's more likely to trigger. Yeah. Right? So. And I mean, same story, right? This stuff is stored in your bin. Um, you know, if you're looking at a local ethanol plant, chance, chances are we can work that offer for you as well and direct ship it um, or, you know, put a co- cash offer in to haul it in, you know, later in December or January. So that would be my biggest, you know, 
recommendation, I think, to our grower is don't forget about the crop, whether it's in your bin or in commercial commercial storage, which I think is funny for us to say that, but it's it's very true, right? Like, I mean, you, you can't fall in love with it. No. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, um, and it's very easy to do. Yeah. It is extremely easy to do to fall in love with a position, to fall in love with the crop. Um, but you can't fall in love with it. This is a business and, and you, you, at the end of the day, you got to make a decision. Yeah. Right? And, and again, I'll go back to that saying of not trading is a trading decision. It's a fine, de- it's a fine trading decision to make, but you got to know that you're making a, a decision not to sell that crop today. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, I guess for me kind of wraps up talking about harvest progress. Um, I really want to hone in now on 2024 stuff um, because I don't know about you. I, I'm slightly nervous as we move into 2024. And again, just the indecision that's happening right now, I think with most of our customers just not really knowing where to start if they haven't, um, getting their mind kind of geared towards next year, especially, right, a lot of these inputs have been booked. Um, Seed costs are written in, you know, fall fertilizer prices are written in. So you kind of have a pretty good baseline of where you're going to be. So throw it at us, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, anytime you're going out and and booking an input for your crop, right, whether it be anhydrous or seed or camp, whatever it is, right, you know, uh, the the best marketers of grain that I see on the farm level, they convert that in their mind to how many bushels per acre is that yeah. at, at the current price. And that number changes every day because the market goes mm-hmm. up and down, right? But they're converting that to, okay, if I need to sell in hydro, if I'm going to buy in hydrous and incur an expense, I need to offset that with some revenue. Yeah. And by selling grain, I need to sell, you know, at today's price, I would need to sell X amount of bushels. Now they don't always do it one for one and, and, and that's okay. Right. Um, but they're very cognizant of that. Um, it's going to cause, you know, this anhydrous, you know, a lot of people go back to dollars per acre, but I really like dollars per bushel yeah. as that metric. And, and, you know, what we've seen specifically in the corn crop, this doesn't really apply to beans. Actually, it doesn't apply to beans at all. Um, but with the corn market, you know, going into, you know, what we would call almost a, almost a dead carry, right. Where this, <clears throat> you know, where current dees is, is, is worth less than the next year's dees. Mm-hmm. You know, you harken back to four or five years ago, right. When we were in these dead carry type scenarios, um, you know, some of the best sales that we would see from farmers were when they're in their combine selling the crop for next year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, because you're able to take advantage of that carry, right? I mean, there's 25 to 30 cents between the deece, between the two deece contracts. Um, and it's not a carry unless you sell it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I really like the idea of, of, you know, getting a baseline on, right. And maybe it's just as simple as like, okay, I've committed to my seed cost. It's going to cost me X amount of bushels per acre. Why don't I go cover some of that yeah. or all of it, right? In, in any business, right? Anytime you incur an expense, you want to offset that with revenue. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really like getting out here. Um, don't sell it all, right? I mean, I, 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 you should, you know, leave some dry powder. There's a lot of stories to be written, especially when we look at the bean market, right? I mean, you got... You know, we're looking at tight carryouts. Now we can debate about how tight this current crop that we're combining right now, how tight that carryout's going to be. There's a lot of people that want to say, you know, the USDA has us, you know, in the 250 type range. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that want to argue that there needs to be three or 400,000, you know, three or 400 million carryout. And there's a lot of people that say, you know, it's less than 250. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's going to hinge on exports. But, um, you know, when we look towards the next year, um, you know, we're going to have more crush coming online. We're going to, you know, for the next couple of years, every year, we're going to add crush capacity yeah. in this country. Uh, and the demand for beans, um, 
domestically is going up. Mm-hmm. Now the trick is internationally, how do we compete on the, on the export level? But, um, you know, today, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a farmer, right? I, I don't, that, that, that's not what I do. Right. Um, but you know, I'm guessing that the, the numbers are telling you to plant corn and I don't think the market can support that necessarily. I think the, the mm-hmm. bean market is going to need to, to buy some acres. Now the trick is, is it buying, you know, us acres or is it buying, you know, Brazilian acres or Argentinian acres? But, yeah. um, I do think the meat market needs to, to probably buy some acres. But again, when we're talking about, um, you know, offsetting your expenses with revenue, you know, you can, you can look at the bean pit and use, you know, use that November futures in, in an HTA contract, right. To, yeah. to start to cover some of that, even if you don't want to lock in the basis yet. So. Exactly. And I think, you know, to our farmers, whether you're, like I said, in a combine listening to this, thinking that's the last of my concerns is marketing my 2024 crop. You're just wondering where the grain car guy is. (laughs) Seriously, where's my catcher? (laughs) I mean, call your originator, have a conversation. What are my options? You know, a lot of my customers are, are, like you said, looking at just a futures option, whether that be selling straight hedge drives or futures only contracts, which we call them here, or even looking at an accumulator or something like that. Uh, there's plenty of options if you're like, cash is not my game. I don't like that number. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting is um, there's a long fight, as you mentioned, acres. So a long fight. There's quite a bit of time here before March. March is always a fun month here at the end of the, at the end of the month, you know, when those acres numbers are when we get the pers- When we get the yeah. perspective of planting acres, yes. it's, you know, it, the next few years, that March 31st report is going to be very, very interesting to see how we transition from, you know, how do we get more soybean acres domestically? Mm-hmm. But we're still competing with a Brazilian, you know, soybean production that, you yeah. know, they, their acreage grows every year, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that, how that market plays out over the next three years. Okay. What else, Jim? You know, I think, um, again, if if you take anything away from this, you know, just understand what your risks are, um, understand the costs that are, that are going into, into storing this grain, um, that you're storing on the farm, um, make sure you're keeping it in good quality. And, um, you know, this is the time of year where you've got a lot of things going on, right? You're making sure the truck's getting back to the field. Is the dryer still running? You know, how's, you know, what are the hours at the, at the local facility? Um, this is where you lean on your co-op, yeah. right? And, you know, you lean on your grain marketing experts, you lean on, you know, the, the location manager, right. To, to say, Hey, you know, we're, you know, we're combining, what are your hours, mm-hmm. right. And, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're all in this together, right. We, we want you guys to have a successful harvest. We want to have a successful harvest. We want to fill our bins. Um, and, and it's a team effort, right. Yeah. That communication goes both ways. And, um, if there's, you know, if there's things that the, the co-op can do for you, um, you just communicate them to us. We're, we're here to help you guys get this crop out of the field and, and get as much for it. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, if you're listening, um, you know, call your locations ahead of delivery. That's always helpful. Um, you know, and when your time comes to settle, you know, be sure to let us know you're taking cash. Do we need to defer that contract? Um, any and all communication is, is always, it's always loved by us. So definitely keep in really great contact with us. And, um, you know, our growth solution center is always open. So if you can't get a hold of someone, you know, at your location, uh, they may be busy running the scale or doing all the other things. Um, feel free to give those people a call and usually there's someone right available for you. Well, Jim, I think that's all we got. 
Sounds we knew it would be short and sweet. We don't want Absolutely. to bother these guys too long. <laughs> Absolutely. We got to go find that green card guy, right? So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time for the grain or agronomy podcast episode. Thanks.